This morning we'll be reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the second chapter, beginning in the eighth verse. And I would invite you to, read, to rise for the reading of the Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Luke 2, beginning in verse 8. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I really wanted to begin this presentation this morning by praying an excerpt from the Messiah where the angels get together and sing glory to God in the highest. I felt like this proclamation needed a little more excitement to it than I can generate in the spoken word. Some, some years ago, it may have been in a moment of insanity, I'm not sure, uh, I preached a sermon that brought together all the scriptures of the nativity narratives and I just preached the exact words twice in a row. And the first time I preached the sermon, I just preached as if I was reading the words out of the Bible the way we normally read them. And the second time I went through the exact same words, I attempted to add all the emotion that I felt was behind the words in as large a life kind of way as I could do it. And, you know, I'm older now, I don't have that level of energy. It doesn't diminish the emotion that is behind these words. Behind, I mean, can you even picture what this must have been like to hear these angels proclaim this amazing message? And I think you only can understand the emotion of it if you understand the emotional disconnect that this message comes in terms of, or brings in the times that it is set. I mean, you have to think about to whom the message is given and what this day was like and what this culture was like to get a real appreciation for the majesty of this message. I mean, the message is delivered in a day that I would just call a day of emotional discontinuity. I mean, these are folks living under oppression in continual fear. Raw violence is frequent. There's no law other than Roman law which is enforced at the point of a sword. Roman justice is absolute. And there are people just like Pontius Pilate will be in a few years who are in leadership and powerful positions that are just absolutely ruthless. And in the middle of all this uncertainty, good news is announced in a spectacular way. And the people who are receiving it, they may be wondering, you know, can we believe this? I mean, they're living their lives waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. 
And here, instead of the other shoe dropping, they get this amazing good news in an amazing method of articulation. I wonder, it may be that our times are just as dire. Hatred surrounds us. Anything different from ourselves, we consider the enemy. War and violence are norms around the globe. Things seem hopeless. World population continues to rise on a planet whose resources are dwindling. There's significant debate concerning the proper way to care for our creation. Social media is stoking the fires of division in our nation and around the world with no incentive or conscience to stop it. I was speaking with a person just the other night who was observing the consequences of social media platforms who make money by giving us what we want to see. His argument was this. Facebook and media platforms like Google make money every time you click on an ad. And so they are very interested in keeping you on their site. They do this by presenting to you a steady stream of information that they already know that you will like because you taught them what you will like by the things you click on. And that means articles and news stories and funny means all the stuff that pops up is tailor-made to keep you clicking, which keeps them making money. But you never get to see much of an opposing opinion or a balanced report because there's no money in that for them. That means we are constantly being told by social media that our own opinion is right and everyone who thinks differently is wrong. And Facebook makes money by telling us everyone agrees with us and selectively feeding us the part of the truth with which we already agree. And just think, there are billions of users of social media you can see the devastating contribution this makes to division and mistrust. And you can see that we're manipulated. Now, you might say, well, I'm not really on Facebook or social media that much. I'm protected against that. The truth of the matter is that may be true for you, but not for the millions and millions of people around you who are being influenced in these ways. It, it's not good news that so many of us are captivated by screens and the processes by which these media giants make money. It's not good news for our divisions to increase. And you might, in the midst of all of this chaos, think, is there any hope for us? Is there any way to break out of these cycles? Can a leopard change its spots? What can wash away our sins and our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups and our systems of destruction and our culture of death? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The hope that we have is the very good news that we repeat every Advent season. Listen to the angel's words again. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. The message is a message of joy in the face of chaos. Joy. 
first century residents of Palestine. They were looking for a Messiah. One could bring them freedom from oppression. And the angel says to them, the expected one is coming. What they anticipated arrives. That brings joy. But their joy is heightened by the fact that the thing that arrives, which is a savior, that's the first word used by the angels, the savior is also exactly what is needed. It's one thing to have, well, what you're expecting to arrive. It's another thing to have the thing that you expect to actually be necessary, to be the very thing you need. Have you ever had a gift arrive just at the right time? I remember back to uh, our days, Nancy and my days of relative poverty when we were in seminary. When the check would arrive in the mail just at the time that the rent was due, when we knew we weren't gonna pay it any other way. And, and of course, we're always delighted when a check arrives in the mail. But when it arrives just when the rent is due, the joy in those checks is even greater because it came at the time of our greatest need. And our need for a savior and a Messiah is great in these days. But beyond that, our level, in joy, our level of joy increases even higher when it turns out that the gift we anticipated, the gift that we needed, is even better than we expected. It's more than what was promised. It, it exceeds our imagination. What, what exactly is the content of this good news? This good news that is for everyone? Don't miss that fact. It doesn't say that this good news is just for the Jews. It doesn't say that this good news is just for Christians. It is good news for all the people everywhere. If it's not good news for everyone, it's not really good news. This is good news for everyone. What is God doing in this Christ event? Well, one of the things he's doing, one of the things we didn't anticipate him to do and he is doing is he is reshaping the image of God for all humanity. He's helping folks around the globe know who God is, what God is like. He's just reshaping that whole impression. He is not some evil God brooding up there on Mount Olympus about how he can mess up the lives of mortals. He is not some half of a dualistic God that is balanced by an evil God and they're fighting it out for ultimate control of the universe. That's not who he is. He is not the God of order as opposed to the God of chaos that are clashing. He is not some supreme being just waiting for his moment of judgment to cast lightning bolts at us. This God in Christ event, this advent, is a repainting of the whole image of God. And God is finally going to be revealed in all of his glory. All of our feeble attempts to figure out who God is will be discovered to be human constructions once Jesus is revealed and perfectly reveals to us who the Father really is. We're finally gonna get a glimpse of God and it's better than we could have imagined. It's far beyond our imagination, far beyond our ability to conceive or understand. And this God loves us, cares about us, is with us. 
You know, those are the three words that the angel uses. The first word is the Greek word soter, which means savior, one who rescues. This is the one we need. The second word is Christos, Christ, anointed one, Messiah, the one we expect, the revelation of God to us. And the third is Kurios, Lord, Master. This is the gift beyond our expectation. A leader who can direct, guide, bring purpose and meaning to life. This is what the angels announce. And this is what the Holy Spirit delivers. And Mary, pregnant now in the presence of Elizabeth, begins to sing. You know her song, don't you? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. When does Mary sing this song? Mary sings this song when the human Jesus hasn't done one thing yet, hasn't even been born yet. But based on the promise of God and the anticipation of what he has begun to do, Mary's joy is off the chart because she knows the character of God. She knows the promise of God. She knows what's happening to her own body and she is filled with joy. The Holy Spirit has brought forth Jesus. That's his role always. And in anticipation, Mary is overcome with joy. Yes. Times may be bad for us, but Emmanuel, God, is with us. God is at work. God is revealed to us. God is for us. God has promised his continuing presence and his wisdom for each day. God has this. Whatever we're facing, God has this in his hand. And so we ought to be the most optimistic, joyful folks in the world, if we really understand the pronouncement of the angels to us, because surely we fall into the category of, this good news is for all the people. That's us, right? And so the Savior is ours, the Messiah is ours, the Lord is ours, and all the promise of the Godhead for us is ours. He is for us and he is with us. So we are the people of joy, full of joy. If ever we needed a segment of our population infected with viral joy, it is today. We need to be out there spreading this virus of joy day after day after day after day. 
Because this is the message of Christ for the world, that there is hope in him. And it's our mission to be agents of his joy. I hope you'll join me in that in the days that come. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. And may you go forth in joy that the world might know that a Savior, a Messiah, a Lord has come. To his glory now and forever. Amen.